We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the dissonance, the tension between discipline and freedom. And I'm going to ask the question, will a nation that doesn't have to discipline itself to work, to get its hands dirty, to actually earn its own keep, will such a nation ever be free? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. So today's topic is something that I've hit on before. We've talked about this particular issue several different times. It's the paradox of discipline and freedom, of actually working to earn your keep, working to earn your spot, going to practice on a daily basis, and doing the necessary work to train your body to be more productive when you actually do get on the field. And will you actually ever have such opportunities to get on the field, get on the court, get into the game? As an athlete, if you have an attitude of entitlement rather than one that demands self-discipline, the dissonance, the tension of training your body to perform better and actually memorizing the plays and paying attention to the coach and recognizing that, you know, athletes don't benefit from entitlement. That's not the way it works. That the best athletes are those who understand that they have to work very hard to earn the privilege, to earn their spot on the team. This is what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about it in the context of a culture that doesn't want to work anymore, an entitlement culture, a culture that believes in equity rather than equality, and how we've come to the point where Many people right now, they don't want to go to work because they're getting so many freebies that they'd rather sit at home and play video games and feel safe and comfortable rather than putting themselves at risk to actually find a job and start working their way up the ladder and earning their freedom. In other words, is freedom ever free or do you have to do something to benefit from it? Are you free to perform on the field? Are you free to be an athlete? Are you free to perform a concerto if you're a musician? Are you free as a citizen if you never work for that freedom? Are you free economically? Are you free relationally? Are you free politically? Does freedom presuppose some tension, some dissonance, the obligation that you and I have to go to work? That's the question that I'm going to ask today, and I'll try to give you the answer. And I'm going to refer back to a chapter in my book that is titled, Plates Don't Have Legs. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. 
1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. All right, welcome back to The Rebellion. So the topic today is the value of work, the importance of tension, discipline, getting your hands dirty, actually having to do something that you don't like in order to earn the privilege of getting on the field or having the opportunity to perform in a concert. You're not going to have these things, these benefits in life if you don't earn them. They can't just be given to you. A culture of freebies is not going to be free. That's the basic premise of everything I'm going to say from here on out on the show. I was recently invited to be a guest on a talk show up in St. Louis. The name of the show is American Viewpoint. The host of this program is Mike Ferguson. He asked me on the show because I recently wrote an article for the Washington Times where I bemoaned the fact that we've created a nation of people that don't want to work. They don't feel any need to work. And that the more government freebies a society gets, a culture gets, the more bread and circuses, to use the language of first century Christianity and Nero's Rome. If you give out free bread, if you give out free entertainment, bread and circuses was the analogy then, you can control the people. Uh, you can enslave them, essentially. You can put them in bondage of the government largesse. Because if they're getting free stuff, they won't fight back. They'll basically be lulled into a sense of safety and comfort that they don't want to forfeit for the sake of freedom. That's what Nero did. He knew that he could maintain and retain his power if he just gave out free food and free entertainment, bread and circuses. I'm arguing that we're getting dangerously close to that same mentality here in the United States of America and in the Western world in general right now. When some people can make $120,000 a year, and that is a fact, you can make $120,000 a year through a combination of various different government handouts. When you can make that kind of money, or even less than that, if you can make $60,000, $80,000, $100,000, if you can make that kind of money, if you can get that kind of federal assistance, quote-unquote, those freebies, then why would you want to take the responsibility of earning your keep? 
human nature leans toward comfort rather than the conflict that comes with fighting for your freedom. We see this in athletics. I've used that analogy over and over again. I mean, there are a few people in life that understand that if they want to have a place on the team, if they want to be starting rather than sitting on the bench, that they have to actually put some work into getting there. Oh, there are some athletes that are so gifted that it seems that they have to work less. But if you look at Michael Jordan, for example, one of the most gifted athletes ever, quite frankly, many would call him the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. You look at a work ethic that is unsurpassed. Yes, he was talented. Yes, he was gifted. But he recognized that in order to hone those skills and develop, to develop them to the point where he could actually be, quote-unquote, Michael Jordan, that he had to work relentlessly to get there. And you look at some musicians. They train their body to respond appropriately to playing the instrument. They're relentless. But hours and hours, weeks upon weeks, months upon months, years upon years of practice, the old analogy, the old axiom that practice makes perfect is so true. Well, another axiom that we've heard in the past, at least I have, and you have probably heard a heard it too, or a derivation thereof, is that is plates don't have legs. Now, where did you hear that? You heard it from your mom when she asked you to do the dishes, and you forgot, or you didn't want to, and she comes into the kitchen, and she looks at the sink full of dirty dishes, and she recognizes you didn't do the work. You didn't do what you were asked to do. And then maybe there was some punishment that came with that. You couldn't go out for the evening, or you couldn't go play with your friends, or maybe you even missed um, an athletic event because you had to earn the right to perform. You had to earn the right to go do the things you wanted to do by doing the work necessary to earn that privilege. And your, might, your mom might have said, you know, plates don't have legs. You've got to do the work to get these things clean. They're not going to clean themselves. Do what you were asked to do. You have responsibilities if you want to have freedom, freedom that comes from maturity. So if you don't want me to treat you like a child, then do your chores. Do your job. Go to work. Those plates don't have legs. They're not going to wash themselves, right? I have a chapter titled Plates Don't Have Legs in my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. And after giving the analogy, sharing the analogy of, you know, doing the dishes and other simple tasks, chores, etc., in my life, it was feeding the horses, cleaning out the stalls. Yeah, maybe doing the dishes once in a while, but I had responsibilities. Feeding the dogs, taking care of things, doing some work, mowing lawns. This gave me a sense of responsibility. My dad taught me that. He never would have accepted government checks when he was fully capable of solving his own problems. And what came from that work ethic? Greater freedom. I had the freedom of having my own money to do my own things, buy my own clothes. Getting a job that actually gave me extra resources to buy my first car, etc. Nobody gave me those things. I worked for those things. Why? Because my father and my mother taught me that plates don't have legs. Do your job if you want to have greater freedom. You know, after the 2016 presidential election... There are a couple examples of where our culture has come and how far we've fallen from that basic wisdom of a work ethic. Uh, the University of Michigan 
is one of those examples. There was a psychology professor there that postponed an exam right after the 2016 election because he believed his students were too traumatized by Donald Trump's victory. Apparently, in the mind of this professor and his students, they couldn't turn their nightlights off, if you will, because they believed that the big bad Donald Trump monster was going to come out of their closets or out from under their beds and eat them all up. There was another example at the University of Columbia, excuse me, Columbia University. A professor there postponed exams for the same reasons. Oh, my students are too traumatized. They can't do the necessary work to come in and take a test or take a quiz or write a paper. We've just got to put everything on pause right now because of the poor darlings that are traumatized because a Republican actually won the presidency. There was a professor at the University of Connecticut that allowed his students to stip, skip classes and without penalty. Now, now, what's the example here? I mean, it goes on and on. Universities from Brown to Berkeley, from East Coast to West Coast, they had counseling centers that actually had Play-Doh and coloring books and crayons and videos of puppies, frolicking puppies, to soothe the anxieties of these college students, 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds that were scared of the big bad boogeyman of the Republican Party. I'm not making this stuff up. You had this from university to university. There was a school up in New, Ying New England, excuse me, a university in New England that actually brought in a herd of baby goats. <laughs> they brought in a herd of baby goats on campus so its students would have a petting zoo to calm their anxieties over the political shift in the United States. A Republican won the White House, so we'll give you your own petting zoos to make you feel good. Emory University, its president issued a public apology to all of the students because someone had used chalk, sidewalk chalk, to write the name of Trump. That's all it was, Trump on a campus sidewalk. Okay, the students were so triggered by this microaggression that the university president apologized. I could go through example after example after example where our colleges and universities across the nation, from coast to coast, are teaching this lesson, this bad lesson. What they're teaching the next generation of American leaders is that if life doesn't give you what you want, then pout about it, complain about it, act like a child. If you don't get the results you want, you don't have to go to work. You don't have to go to class. You don't have to study for an exam. You don't have to turn in your paper. Uh, we're going to coddle you rather than expect you to act like an adult. We'll give you puppies. We'll give you crayons, coloring books, and we'll even bring in goats so you have a petting zoo if, some, if something is too difficult for you to handle. It's a terrible lesson. It's basically saying, oh, well, I'll do the dishes for you because you don't have to do what I ask you to do. You don't have to act like an adult. You can, you can gain all the benefits that I've worked as your parent so hard to give you without taking any responsibility to act more mature on a daily basis, to grow up and do the work yourself. It's helicopter parenting to the extreme, and this is not healthy for our country. It, such a failure to teach these basic lessons of life by those entrusted, 
you know, parents, adults, to teach and lead their kids, their students, screams that the lie of a good life, the lie of the good life, being one and the same with a comfortable and safe life, is so pervasive in our culture that it can't be left unaddressed. That's a quote from my book, Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I'm going to read that again. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. This failure by moms and dads, by you and me, by adults, this helicopter parenting to the extreme, this failure by those of us who are entrusted to teach and lead our progeny, our kids, our students, this failure screams that the lie of the good life being one and the same as the comfortable and safe life is so pervasive in our culture that it cannot be left unaddressed. A good life is not synonymous with a comfortable and safe life. A good life is one that you work for, that you earn. A good life is the result of dissonance, discomfort, the paradox of discipline and freedom. That's the good life. But we're lying to our culture right now, and we're giving them the benefits of a good life without requiring them to earn it. We're basically washing the dishes for them. We're literally bringing in puppies and pet and goats in a petting zoo. And we expect them to act like d- adults. We expect them to value freedom rather than comfort. It's not going to happen. This problem that I'm talking about has roots in what I've called the struggle for self-control. When we prize our security over our freedom, we give control to those who promise to protect and provide for us. You hear what I'm saying right now? When we prize our security and our comfort over and above our freedom, we're giving control to those who promise to protect and provide for us. We're giving control to Nero when we prize his bread and circuses over and above our personal freedom. Once we give this authority to someone else, we have no means left by which to challenge their rule over our lives. This is coming directly from my chapter, Plates Don't Have Legs. When you give authority to someone else, when you let them wash the dishes for you, you're not learning to behave like an adult. You're basically giving control of your life to them because once they take away your bread and your circuses, your food and your entertainment, once they take away those things or threaten to take away those things, you will bow in submission to them to retain your comfort and your security, your safety, because you sold your soul and the freedom that comes from being an adult You sold it on the altar of perpetual adolescence. You're acting like a child. If someone is doing everything for you, they've robbed you of the drive to do anything for yourself. Laziness sets in and stagnation and dependency becomes your default position. Freedom is lost and you're frozen in perpetual childhood and dependency. You never grow up. You hear me? You never grow up. We've got to break this cycle of comfort, safety, dependency. It has to be broken. And the only way to break that cycle is to require your kids to do some work. That's why my mom and dad didn't buy me everything I wanted. They told me to go to work if I wanted to get something. I remember I wanted to... 
a small little motorcycle, a mini bike, when I was a kid. And my mom and dad did not buy it for me. I mean, I did everything. I left pictures out during Christmas. I wanted that mini bike so desperately. I, I folded down the pages of the Christmas catalogs that used to be so pervasive back in the day. I didn't get it. I had to earn it. Now, they allowed me to mow the lawn. They gave me an allowance for doing so, to clean out the horse stalls, to take care of the dogs. But I didn't get any of those resources, any of that money without working and saving. They taught me the virtue of doing it myself, getting my hands dirty. And therefore, when I actually bought something, it was mine. It was my responsibility. I earned it. Now, how many of us learn those lessons today? Are we passing on those same virtues to our children by requiring them to do it themselves? Wash the dishes, or you're not going to be able to get your allowance. We're not giving you any money. You won't have the freedom to buy what you want, to do what you want, to go where you want until you do your job. Adults understand the obligation to take responsibility. This is, this is part of the process of growing up, becoming an adult. And responsibility, the obligation to go to work, has nothing to do with your feelings or your fears or your likes or your dislikes. It's just a conscious act to work through those things. I mean, you probably didn't feel like doing the chores. I didn't. I didn't like it. It had nothing to do with my feelings, my likes, my dislikes. It was just the conscious act of going to work, going to practice, doing what was necessary to train my body to perform better as an athlete or as a musician, or train my body to do jobs that weren't all that fun, like washing the dishes. Okay, this, this is part of the basic common sense of parenting, but it's common sense that has lost. If we don't teach our kids this, to delay gratification, for example, then what they will do is they will experience the satiation of the bread and circuses, the food and the entertainment. There's no delayed gratification. They don't have any sense of hunger. And hunger pushes you to go out and do what's necessary to feed yourself. But if there's never any dissonance, any hunger, then why would you feel any necessity to grow your own food, for example? Relaxation sets in, and rather than doing the labor, you get lazy. You don't learn the value of pushing through setbacks and trials and struggles. You don't grow. You don't mature. And the thing is here is that adult has, adulthood excuse me, has almost nothing to do with age. Eh, I'm exaggerating a bit. But I remember feeling at the age of 14 or 15 that I was an adult, and I don't think it was just youthful hubris. I felt like I was an adult, and I believed I was an adult because I had been, I had been taught to be one. By 14 or 15 years of age, I knew that if I didn't work for my money, I wasn't going to have any. If I didn't work for what was necessary to buy those shoes or buy those jeans or buy that motorcycle or that car, I wasn't going to have one. I learned that lesson quite early in life. Nobody was going to give me anything. 
So that's what I mean when I say adulthood has little to do with age. But it has everything to do with character. Adulthood is the result of training your inner man, disciplining yourself, that dissonance between personal discipline and freedom. Adulthood represents the heart and soul of who you are, not necessarily a chronological age or a marker in time. And and here's the thing. Maybe this is one of the take-home lessons for the day. The more dependent we become on other people, on other human beings, the less independent we're going to be in our own lives, our personal lives, in the totality of life. And when we promote a culture of avoiding responsibility, we're creating dependency and ultimately control. We're basically creating a culture of fascism rather than freedom because remember the fascist, the Roman bundle of sticks, was used to do what? To demand compliance, to demand that you be part of the group. Be comfortable within the group or the group will crush you. It was comfort over freedom. It was groupthink over independence and personal responsibility. And I've said it a dozen times over. All the despots of history understood this. I don't care who you talk about, whether it's Robespierre or Mussolini or Pol Pot or Mao or Hitler. I don't care who you talk about. All Nero, for that example, let's go back to that one. Bread and circuses. Nero understood that people who take personal responsibility for their lives are people that they cannot, he cannot. Pol Pot, Nero, Mao cannot control. People who take responsibility for their own lives, adults that understand that value of dissonance, the tension between discipline and freedom. Adults that will take responsibility for earning their own own keep are people that they cannot control. These despots knew that, and they knew that the number one rule for stealing freedom is to get the masses to point the finger of responsibility outward rather than inward. As long as you can get the proletariat to blame the bourgeoisie, the tyrant will win. Do you get my point here? As long as you can get the 99% to accuse the 1%, the tyrant will win. When you kill freedom by taking personal responsibility away from the populace and giving them everything they want, when you kill freedom by doing that, you gain power. Because you're the one who decides who gets the bread and who gets the circus. You control Everyone now. Get women to blame men and blacks to blame whites. Get everybody to blame the orange man, bad, and you'll win. You can crush liberty. You can gain control. This is the strategy of the left today. This is the lie of the progressives. Again, I'm going to repeat myself. Nero knew this. Provide bread and circuses. Blame the persecuted Christians for everything. And what do you have as the emperor? Total control. Because nobody will take personal responsibility if they can blame those Christians for everything that happens, even though the government is the one that caused it. The legend of Nero fiddling while Rome burned is a perfect example. The legend tells us that Nero is the one who instigated the fire because he wanted the older buildings removed so that he could build up his grand and glorious utopia through government largesse. So while Rome burned, Nero fiddled and blamed the Christians for the very actions that he was responsible for, and he gained more power. If 
we've got a nation of people who can't think for themselves and do for themselves, then we have a nation that's locked in perpetual adolescence because they know that mommy and daddy are going to provide for them. Maybe mommy and daddy is synonymous with Uncle Sam. It doesn't matter anymore. Somebody else will wash the dishes for them. I guess the plates grow legs and they do it themselves. The dishes wash themselves. That's really not true, but that's the illusion we live under. We think that we don't need to do it ourselves because somebody else will take care of that mess for us. The bottom line is this, as we wrap this show up, taking responsibility is a fundamental principle to independence and growth. Those who are responsible choose their own path in life. They are free, and those who shirk responsibility are enslaved by those who only have one thing in mind, and that is controlling them. A culture that expects others to do the work that they should be doing themselves and to keep everybody safe and comfortable is a culture that at its core is self-centered, the one that essentially turns the axiom of John Kennedy on its ear and says, ask not what you can do for your country, but ask what your country can do for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is a culture that's lazy. This is a culture that's caught in perpetual adolescence and childhood. This is a culture that's never grown up. This is a culture that expects plates to grow legs and to wash themselves. This is a culture that will bring puppies and baby goats into the college campus to make its students feel comfortable as children rather than push them outside of that comfort zone and to grow up and act like adults. Personal discipline is the only thing that brings freedom. We have to acknowledge that and recognize the value of getting your hands dirty and going to work. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion.